Welcome to another episode of whatever we're calling this. The podcast of comparative literature and cultural studies at the University of Arkansas. Today, we invited Jean-Hugues Vitamignet to talk about his dissertation and his PhD studies at the University of Arkansas. My name is Guillermo, and today we have two new people, new guests, people who are going to tell us about their projects, their life, and their experience at the University of Arkansas. Uh, Aisha is with me today. Hello, Aisha. Hello. So I'm I'm very pleased to be here today. Um, I'm doing. I'm a um, complete student. I'm in the third year of my PhD, and I am. Uh, distressed about my work and would love to get some tips from Jean about what a protracted PhD looks like. Nice. Thank you, Aisha Noir. Thank you for accepting the invitation and being willing to discuss and interview Jean, Janug about his project. First, uh, welcome, Janug. Welcome. Thank you very much, Guillermo, for, uh, for having me. Thank you, Aisha, for being here too. Uh, I've heard a lot about your podcast, and it's uh, really a, a pleasure for me to be one of your hosts today. No, and the pleasure is ours. Now, Janouk, as usual, we as a graduate students, and this episode should be, I don't know, like published in October, because it's a very spooky area, very uh, aspect of graduate students that we struggle a lot, and we want to start with comprehensive exams. So my first question for you, Janug, is what was your experience with comprehensive exams? And can you offer maybe some tips for uh, current PhD students? Uh, thank you for the question. Uh, my experience of the, the comprehensive exam was uh, uh, at the same time difficult, but rewarding um, because even though I entered the program with the objective of uh, uh, doing Francophone studies, uh, I struggled for some time to be able to uh, understand what was the scope of my research. So uh, the, the main difficulty I faced, and I was fortunate to be surrounded by uh, professors who helped me to understand that, was to, to build a sound and solid reading list that reflects my interest mostly for Francophone African literature. Uh, as you certainly know, Guillermo, I am a native of Cameroon, which is a Central African French-speaking country. And uh, I had to build a reading list that reflected my interest for French-speaking Sub-Saharan uh, African literature but also that reflected my interest for 20th century French literature, uh, specifically crime fiction. And uh, uh, in addition to those two main lists, I took classes in uh, medieval studies, uh, postmodern and postmodern studies and uh, cultural cultural materialism. And uh, I think the last the 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 last one had to do with uh, uh, post-colonial literature uh, and post-colonial theory. So what I did was 
at the beginning, my lists were a bit too random. I had like too much texts in too many areas. And I had a conversation uh, with uh, Professor Restrepo and uh, Professor Kauf in which they advocated that I should be, I should make sure that my lists reflected what I really wanted to do. And basically one of the mistakes I made was that, uh, that's why it, it, it was so difficult was that post-colonial theory is very wide, is, is, very, is very varied. It, it, it brings in so many communities that is sometimes very difficult to reconcile them. So I had to do research to really narrow my perspective. And that's how I ended up with focusing spe specifically on African post-colonial literature and decoloniality in particular. Also, uh, when it comes to um, uh, French literature, I wanted to do the whole French literature, but that's, that's just too big. So we, uh, with Professor Comfort, who is my thesis advisor, we chose to focus specifically on post-World War II uh, French literature because this is the era where, during which uh, French crime fiction and specifically noir fiction, which I'm going to discuss later, actually begins. It was rewarding because at the end of that, I knew exactly where I wanted to go. And I knew, and it, it really helped me to bring together the French aspect and also the Francophone aspect of my research, which I think was very important. So uh, my tip in when it comes to, to the comps would be uh, to focus primarily on your reading lists and to, to make sure that the reading lists you build actually reflect your personal interests because the more you work on that, the more you are able to restrict the opportunities of getting lost in your research or getting frustrated with what you are what you're working on. Right. So um, you you mentioned that you kind of narrowed down your scope. Um, many of us are dealing uh, in um, complete with uh, with historical issues or um, literature following from historical events. Mm -hmm. So how much uh, of history did you actually need to study? Because uh, some of us, we get references to historical events, but how much of actual uh, uh, the narrative of history did you read? Um. I had I, I had to, to to read a lot of history, specifically post World War II history. Um, I, I was fortunate that before uh, before working on my degree, I have I, I worked I did my master degree in uh, in French literature. So I spent two years reading a lot of post World War II, specifically post World War II French history and French culture. Um, I, for example, I did some, I, I had to study movements like existentialism, which is uh, really uh, 1940s, 1950s France, uh, and then French theory with uh, the Michel Foucault and the Derrida and all these people, uh, the post-1968 movement. Uh, also, uh, part of my research, especially in the comms, involved, uh, uh, the history of colonialism, specifically sub-Saharan colonial history. Uh, and the issue, the, the, what I'm going to say when it comes to history is that the issue with history is that it, it is difficult to 
bring it together with with so many so many influences because uh in my case for example uh the the the, the post-colonial history of cameroon which goes from the 1950s to the 1970s is different from that of france because france at the time was more concerned with the reconstruction and the building of the french economy so uh, sometimes it is difficult to be able to bring those two those two aspects together my my suggestion would be for those for some for anybody who may have difficulties uh focusing on their history is look at your own history first and make sure that you have enough basis or enough knowledge and then see how it is how you how much you are able to compare historical facts in your culture with stuff happening in the west you see one thing that just an example one thing that i i i came across uh in my in my research is that while most african countries were struggling with independence and uh, building their own states western countries were actually being developed and going through the whole process of uh, the last stage of capitalism with uh for example in france in europe you had the marshall plan and uh, the building of Western economies into what they are today. So there, there, is a, there is a real discrepancy between Western history and non-Western history. Um, most, Latin, most Latin American countries, from what I've been able to, to, to read so far, were concerned with the issues of the right and the left, socialism versus conservatism. And that, that struggle actually uh, constituted one of the main the, the 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 main highlights of the Cold War, whereas a country like the U.S. was actually building itself into becoming the world superpower. So, my suggestion would be make sure that you have enough grounding in your own history, and then highlight highlight the main discrepancy between non-Western history and Western history because the narratives are totally different and i think that it is important to to highlight those those differences right so uh when you talk about this dis discrepancy uh did you end up using more uh thinkers from the global south uh your post-colonial thinkers yes my my, my research currently involves mostly non-Western. I'm using, for example, a Cameroonian uh, philosopher named Ashim Bembe. Uh, he wrote, a, he published a book, I think, in 2020 or 2021 entitled Necropolitics. Uh, I am also working with uh, Walter Mignolo. He is an Argentinian uh, post-colonial thinker. And uh, my the the origin of the, the the theory I'm using, which is decoloniality, comes from uh, a Peruvian sociologist by the name of Anibal Quijano, uh, which I'm pretty sure uh, Guillermo should be familiar with. So most most of my research focuses on non-Western thinkers because you know this is this is the 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 form of thinking I I believe suits my research and. Uh, uh, I was fortunate to be to be surrounded by people who were able to to help me furthering my 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 reflection in that sense. Janug, uh, well, thank you for all those suggestions. And there is one additional uh, question that I have for you based on the comms. Is like I have heard 
that some people also in their list, they use films or poetry or any other kind of source. So I was wondering for your list, did you have something at like besides books, novels? Did, did you have something else? So uh, it, it's, uh, I know people that have used uh, non-literary uh, works in their research. Um, I need to precise that I am specifically doing comparative literature. I am not, I, I'm, I think I'm the only one in the department. I may be wrong. Uh, so my focus is mostly literature, uh, philosophy, and anything related to books. Uh, obviously, in my in my preliminary research, I can come. I came across uh, non-literary texts like movies, like films, but I, I I chose specifically because this is something that is my personal taste. I've I've been reading novels since I was a kid, so. I, I'm just focusing on novels and that's what I'm going to do. And, and also philosophy, because I, I met you in a philosophy class. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's what I'm, I'm really attracted to. And I, and I think, and I think that personally there is more to explore with those theories and also see how they work in practice. And this is something I'm trying to see. Now, Jean, um, that, episode the title of his, this episode is uh surviving along uh phd mm -hmm. so uh i wanted to ask you uh, like when, when people like in my case when i enroll in the phd program i was conscious that it will be uh five years however uh it, it looks for me that it is a little bit longer than i expected and there are still some gaps and some books and more research that i have to do so what do people need to do to survive a long PhD and what are the benefits of a long PhD? If you have cons as well, for sure, we can listen to them. But what can, what, what can you tell us about the long PhD experience? Um, to survive a long PhD, you, you need two things. Uh, first, you need to know why you actually came into the PhD program. And uh, you also need to ask yourself if it is worth it, if, if the time you're spending is really worth what you actually came for. The, the, the second thing you need is you, you need to be surrounded by people who can really help you because mentally it is, it is very demanding as you... As you rightly mentioned, we we entered the program together in uh, August 2016, and uh, both of us got a master's degree. We started with a master's degree, uh, you in in, Latin, in Spanish studies and me in French, and we have we are, we are still around. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think I still have maybe a year and a half before I graduate, uh, hopefully. So the pros of a long PhD is that as far as I'm concerned, you do what you like. One of the things that I have liked in my PhD is that I've been able to teach. I entered a PhD program because I wanted to become a university professor. And I have been working, and for the last seven years, I have worked as a teaching assistant in French, in composition, and in literature. And I like that. And it is what I want. So one of the pros is that if you're if you're doing a long PhD, you can actually do 
something you like. Uh, the second pro of, uh, of a long PhD program is that you have the time to work on your professional profile. And, and this is something I did not understand when I came in. Uh, the first two years, I was just doing stuff because people told me to do stuff. Oh, somebody told me you should write an article, then I wrote an article. Somebody told me you should go to a conference, and then I went to a conference. And then I, I, it took me some time to speak with people, and they told me, you have to build your profile. And you know that, you know, some of us come into the, the PhD and then we ask ourselves the question, what do I want to do after the PhD? You know, some go into the academics, some decide to go into, into other professions. And I found myself in a place where for a year, I asked myself the question, what do I want to do? Then I, my answer was, I want to be a university professor. And what do you need to do if you want to be valuable on the job market? You need articles, you need conferences, you need, you need book reviews, you need, you need teaching experience, you need all this kind of stuff. And with a long PhD, you can actually work on that. You can actually make your proof on the field. You can actually build strong and solid relations that would really that can be that could be trans that can translate into letters of recommendations, people that can vouch on your qualities, not just as a researcher and as a teacher. Um the third thing that I have, that I, the third, the third pro that I, I, I can, I can enumerate is, you actually have the time to work on your teaching skills. I am currently working on uh, the micro certificate of the professorate, and it is a micro certificate that focuses specifically on teaching in higher education which is something that some people take for granted. But uh, with my experience as a teaching assistant, I, I think that I needed that information to be, to be more valuable in the job market and to really transform all my theoretical knowledge into something practical that, that could be useful for me in class. Now, the cons is you have to deal with a lot of frustration. Uh, you will see lots of people coming in and graduate before you, before you graduate. And, you know, <laughs> it's not, it's not a nice feeling. Uh, the second con is that uh, I assume that we are all international students, which means that every term we have to take classes, you know, and, you know, personally past a certain age, I, I, I don't feel that much comfortable sitting in the classroom, but uh, I try my best, I try my best to do that. Uh, and the last con is, uh, is, is, uh, I think it's the mental, you have to deal with a lot of mental, uh, mental difficulties, um, loneliness, sometimes misunderstanding from the people around you, you know, uh, people will be asking you questions, when are you graduating? I have people, people in my family asking me, when are you graduating? When are you graduating? I'm like, I'm I haven't even gone through my cups. Graduation is not on the program for for the next. I don't know. I don't know many months. But for, fortunately, now I have passed through my comps. I've defended my prospectus, so I'm ABD now. Now I can reasonably say, okay, this is when I'm going to graduate. But until you go through that process, which is a uh, which is very intense mentally, um, 
it is not it is not safe to take to to make any projection so uh yeah that's 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 what i can say in terms of pros and cons of a long phd all right so um it, it is a lonely journey i think yeah. all of us understand that and uh, don't accept it as soon as we understand it but uh so um could you tell us a little bit about the um the sort of accountability patterns that uh, your supervisors have put you through so one of the things that um my supervisor and i implemented was uh, first we have to communicate regularly on all the things i do whether it's whether it's related to courses or classes or publication or this kind of stuff for example there is uh one of the initiatives that we uh that professor restrepo and uh you guys do in the department is um asking students to list their achievements in uh, for every academic year which usually helps for uh uh for the, the drafting the, the students report so that's one initiative the second one which is something that really helped me was to uh i would be writing for my comms for example i would be writing mock questions that i would send to my committee members and uh, based on their feedback i would be writing texts i used to write like huge texts like 20 20 25 pages of text and i would send them to send that to them and they would read and they would be making comments and that really helped me to improve uh to to, to improve my writing um another the last one i that i have in mind is uh i regularly discuss specifically with, with uh, professor restrepo and professor comfort i generally discuss the orientation of my of my research of my thesis like okay i tell them this is what i want to work on or this is what i want to what i want to go and we try to have extensive discussions on uh possible texts to read or possible orientations to consider possible aspects that I'm missing in my research and that I may want to 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 uh, to bring in my in my research to to strengthen my argument and uh, yeah overall it's it's really it's accountability for me is really a matter of communicating on all aspects and be and be as open as possible uh i i believe that those people are here to help us and i also believe that we should we should make the most of the opportunity we have to to communicate with them and you know draw from their expertise thank you jean and with that comment we can finish this episode because communication matters being around friends matters and also if you're gonna be like jean uh, and myself in a long phd Try to have fun and enjoy the most of the time. Try to get along with people, knock doors at different departments so then you can get exposed to different perspectives and different approaches. So thank you, Januk, for accepting the invitation. And thank you, Aisha, for being with me today. Thank you very much, you. Uh, Guillermo and Aisha. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It was my pleasure, too. Well, it looks like the episode is over. Thank you to the program of comparative literature. Thank you to Jean-Hugues for accepting the invitation. 
I hope you join us next time in another episode of whatever we're calling this. Nos vemos.